Hello and welcome to another episode of What High School Did You Go To? I'm Gabe Diverge. And I'm Chris Atfield. Glad to be back here. It's been a little bit delayed this week, but we are yeah, here nonetheless. Um, we're, we're going through a situation with the Yankees playing playoff baseball. And we're actually recording a podcast <laughs> right now, so it's a, it's a new territory for us. We uh, we started recording just after the Yankees left uh, runners on all bases, bases loaded, stranded for the second time in this game, and then immediately let up a another three run home run, yeah. and it has since gotten back to six to three. And I honestly haven't checked it since then. It's still six to three, two outs, a runner on second, um, Judge is up to the plate. So um, this is this, this, this could be fun. We we could we could uh, get an interesting finish to this podcast. <laughs> Let's just say that we have pitcher and pitcher going, or at least I do. Um, I wanted to on this side. I wanted to talk a little bit about. It's a little late at this point, but I wanted to talk a little bit about my trip to Wake Forest because yes. it was absolutely hilarious. First of all, the animal. How was Winston Salem? <laughs> Winston Salem is a very odd place, and generally just. I, there's not any like specific things I can tell you about why it's weird. It's just like the people are weird. Like the, the people in the city center don't particularly care about sports. They like that makes uh, sense to me. Yeah, they they don't really. I mean, they like sports, but it's more like like lacrosse or like they might be a Duke basketball fan or they might be a North Carolina fan. They don't care about Wake Forest athletics in general. Um, so <laughs> you just like you led with lacrosse and that just. <laughs> It told me everything you needed to know. I mean, honestly, you didn't realize that there was a game going on until about uh, probably 1 o'clock, and then things started to pick up. I thought it was absolutely funny that we started drinking at about 11 a.m. when the bars open, and the first people we see in a bar are Kentucky fans in the middle of Winston-Salem, no. Winston-Salem North Carolina. I, I cannot soon, judge dog. you. The guy, the guy would not leave us alone, and he really wanted to talk about Terry Wilson a lot, so we oh, God. We, uh, we indulged him for a little while, and then after that, it was like, all right, bro, we, we got to start <laughs> got putting, putting some drinks down now it's about that time um but yeah man i mean obviously we know the game played out um louisville tried in a lot of ways to to give it up um at about the five minute mark i i think louisville was up three scores at that point and i headed to the exits i was ready to drink i was ready to party <laughs> ready to go uh, party yeah. out on winston-salem because here, <laughs> here's the, the here's the thing let me like like I said that there were a lot of people interested in sports, but the ones that were interested in Wake Forest football, all, you know, 30, 40 of them, they really did not like local fans, which <laughs> like that's a whole other angle that it's just some it, Tim Duncan animosity. Still. No, man, it's like there is there is still a very real. This is the ACC Louisville. You don't belong mentality with huh. with, with some of these schools. Um, and that was yeah, I've always felt that way about the North Carolina school. Yeah. which I like I barely count Wake Forest right. as a part of. <laughs> yeah, that was like a lot of the people I talked to weren't Wake Forest fans. They were like there were some there were definitely some Ab State fans um yeah. uh, uh, around that city. I didn't even realize Boom was like an hour and a half away. But yeah. Yeah. there were a lot of like Duke fans, but they weren't like football fans. But anyway, so I'm I'm leaving the game um taking a uh, photo of taking 
shots right in front of the demon deacon because at this point I'm absolutely pretty hammered. I mean, I, you mean the rolling? Uh, no, no, that's uh, that's that's Jersey check the re- the car. The, the. Yeah, no, they have the demon deacon. Um, the the guy. There's a statue of him out front, and he's okay. he, he's in the car. I wish I've always wanted Louisville to get some type of statue out front. That's another point. Um, we'll, we'll talk about that another time. Yeah, but anyway, <laughs> I, I'm at the exit and I hear the onside kick happen. From the audio, <laughs> and I hear Wake Forest happen, and I hear the score, and then I hear Wake Forest has the ball again, and I'm like, "Holy fuck!" So <laughs> at this point, it's like you know, the half of me is like, "Do I really want to go into this game and see Louisville blow this lead in a very Louisville way, surrounded by the 60 Wake Forest fans that are there?" Or do I just want to go down the streets to the bar and hope and pray they pull it off? So I decided to go back inside of the game. Um, <laughs> which was really funny because there were tons of Wake Forest fans that had left and that were still in that area where they could hear things that were going on. They were trying to get back into the game, but they couldn't do so because no one had their tickets. No one could find oh, their tickets. No. They had already discarded them. So there's like 200, 300 dudes outside trying to get back into the game. And they're pissed off because they won't let them back in without their tickets. The Miami Heat game oh, six my. conundrum. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> so by the time I really get to the really get into the stadium, Louisville has the ball and they're driving to pretty much ice it. They have the, I think it was a three or four point lead or whatever. Um, and it's like second and three. Um, or second and seven, I guess. They throw the ball, incomplete pass. Third and seven, Evan Conley runs it, and it's like at the sticks or whatever. Right, 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 right. And at this point, again, I should probably mention that I had been drinking a pretty decent amount. So I'm in the Wake Forest section, and the, the guys that are still there, this is the only part of the stadium where there are actually Wake Forest fans still there. Like, there's probably <laughs> one or 200. So they run that ball, and, I, and I'm making the first down signal, and I'm like loud as hell about it because I'm just super excited that, that they're going to find a way to actually, you know, close this game and yeah. I, and out of nowhere this man 60 70 years old wearing wearing golf attire like like wearing wearing straight up fraternity attire but it's like the, this man came from whole 18 yeah, to the game but it's like it, it's like it's like the marshals fraternity attire it's like not brooks brothers but like i get what you're saying like brooks bros you know what i mean like so he looks at me and he My says, man's got the Greg Norman shirt yeah, on. <laughs> exactly. What's what's the place across from St. Matthew's Mall next to Golf Galaxy? Steinmark. My guy is in Steinmark. That's exactly perfectly it. Hey um, man, don't hate on Steinmark. <laughs> so he looks at me, and I have I have uh, pants on, and I have the Chaco combo because you know people can hate on it, but I love me some pants and Chacos. And he says, "Set the hell down, sandals." And I'm like, "Okay, oh, no." I could do a lot of things at this point because in my mind, Louisville has just ended this game. I, I generally right. thought that there was a first down play. Obviously, you get into fourth and one and Evan Conley did the thing and took the touchdown and whatever. So I, I just sat there. I don't say anything. I think really long, hard about it. There's a lot of things to go through my mind. I don't do anything. So they run the play. He runs it into a touchdown. I go and find this man. And the first thing that comes to my <laughs> head that I say to him was a tweet that I read earlier in the night. 
And it was Wake Forest doesn't even have a forest. And I walk away and I celebrate. <laughs> and that's that's how my night in Winston-Salem ended. Well, not ended, but ended in that stadium. Oh. So, yeah. Oh, my goodness. That place is weird, man. Um, it's a really, really weird I don't weird know if place. I can even... F- I don't know if I can follow it up. I feel like we just need to start the show. <laughs> just Let's hit the it. music. <laughs> Coming to you from inside the Waterson Expressway. Greatness started in Louisville, Kentucky. It's the only podcast that misses cahoots. This is What High School Did You Go To? With your hosts, Chris Hatfield and Gabe Diverge. Louisville is the greatest. And we're back after that amazing story from Chris. What? Wow. What? What an adventure you had, Chris. It sounds, man. Do you? So you recommend? You would recommend the city of Winston Salem to any and all <laughs> Louisville Cardinals fans? It sounds like. I certainly think some people should take that trip. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I, I'm trying to trying to hit a game down there uh, in the in the Triangle area at some point. The 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 Tobacco Road area, um, probably basketball game this coming season. Trying to do that, so we'll see. Maybe yeah. maybe I'll maybe I'll go I'll go uh, make make light of Tim Duncan at some point. Yeah, absolutely. But of course, Chris, you know. It is. We're recording this on Thursday night, so I think we, you know, we would be remiss if we didn't talk about Louisville football. I think that's the biggest story this week. I think we want to talk about it more of a more from a perspective of what's to come. Um, but while we're on the topic of what happened, I just want to get from you. You know, what do you think is uh, one thing I've sort of said throughout the season is I feel like we don't have we didn't have an identity of Louisville football. And I think we do now. I think we know that they are a team that that's going to put forth effort. Um, they're very explosive offensively. Um, I think they run the ball obviously first, but the, but they can you know they can make pa- passes. Um, what being there watching the game, I want to know from you what did you what was the top thing you noticed about Louisville um, in terms of identity wise and something you think they can that you're going to be looking for this coming Saturday and every Saturday for the rest of the season? I think this is something we were actually kind of late to the late to the whistle on is that this team seems very confident. Yes. Um, I I never really expected that. That was the last thing that I expected. We talked about a little bit about how, you know, if they go through the stretch of Clemson, um, Virginia, and who's in the mm-hmm. middle of there is it NC State. Um, if they, if yeah, they lose yeah. those three games in a row, does that absolutely shatter their confidence and they're not able to rebuild because it's already a, a fragile mentality that you're dealing with? And that was the thing that I took away as most of it is like, you know, they've they've really struggled to close games, Boston College and Wake Forest. The Wake Forest thing, I think, is more fluky than anything. There were some very, like, questionable things that happened down the stretch. Referees on both sides were, you know, pretty pretty suspect for me. Um, you're, you're not going to have a guy kick, like, three straight onside kicks. Like, that's just never going to happen yeah. again. <laughs> but, I mean, whether it was the – the, the uh, I, I know that when, when Wake Forest got that touchdown to – bring it within a score early in the half. I, Louisville had already took a two point two score lead at that point and then Wake Forest went down the field pretty easily and then and then brought it into a one score game. That the, the place was actually starting to get a little loud and you felt the momentum shift mm-hmm. a little bit. But then then Hall just returns the kickoff and it, it right. just sucks the air out of the environment. At that point there was no doubt in my mind that Louisville was going to win that game. And I think that was the most impressive thing for me is just to see them have 
it's it's weird to say it's like yeah they put their they put their feet foot on the gas and, and kind of took control of the game and it was for the most part never really in doubt but the, but the way it closed leaves you with a bitter taste here about but I I think just the just the mentality the confidence of the team when they when they step under the field I think they expect to win I think that they're going into Clemson expecting to win I mean it's it obviously would be. You know, one of the one of the biggest storylines of the college football season if they somehow did win. But even the way they talk, I mean, I think I think they're a confident group right now. And that's that's been the most impressive thing for me to see so far. No, I think that's that's a great observation, and I think that's something we could even trace back to the Notre Dame game when I'll never forget how I felt that after that first drive um, against Notre Dame, you know, Notre Dame immediately scores just instantly and I thought okay well here we go again we're going to start losing and they just come Louisville just you know methodically comes down the field and scores a touchdown I think confidence you know it's I think we've been a little concerned with you know, loss the loss of Florida State. Maybe that would suck out the confidence, but they've kept it, and that's you know we'll talk about Clemson here in a little bit. But I think that's the one thing I sort of feel going into this Clemson game. I'm not by any means going to say that Louisville is going to win this game, but I do think they're going to fight. I do think they're going to fight for four quarters, and that's more than we can ask. We we certainly more than we got from last year's team, and I think that they could implement some unique things and potentially you know potentially make you know at least keep it close and and, and make some surprises so yeah, I, I think that's a good observation and that's something i've definitely noticed for sure i mean like i think the the thing that's been outside of that that's that's been more interesting is is how do you think that that satterfield feels about winning games in the 50s and then the 60s it, it seems like so his Monday press conference, like they kind of talked a little bit about defense, and he didn't sound particularly too annoyed. I mean, he he talked about like you know defense has got to get better and whatnot, but he didn't sound like particularly like ignore annoyed about it. But today he was on Packer and Durham, and I caught a little bit, just a few quotes, and he seemed like yeah. he, he hammered it home a little bit more. So I'm just curious, like, do you think this really is something that annoys him, or if he's just like you know the offense is going to do what the offense is going to do and if the defense can help us out that's fine but it is what it is what what do you think what's the percentage that he looks at and say these are things we can clean up or these are things we got to live with like is it 20 percent of the plays 30 percent of the plays like i mean i i i i don't know about percentage but i do i do think his general thought is that this is more of a personnel problem yeah than it is a system problem I, I i mean i've been saying since the beginning to me going into the season it felt like the defense was where the cupboard was most bare mm-hmm. and i think we've a hundred percent seen that this entire season and we we you know the 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 mistakes especially in in, in the db positions and um, some of the coverage linebacker positions it's just been terrible it's, just, it's been horrible we can louisville can stop the run but they can't cover a tight end coming across the middle to save their life and you know uh, keith Wynn, who we've referenced many times putting out you know he, we've referenced his statistics many times this year. He he put out a very interesting stat that I, I trying to find it right now. I think Louisville currently like per 
per play is 80th. Hold on. Um, they're 86th in yards per attempt. Uh, take out the four big coverage busts Louisville's had this year, and they'd be 33rd in the country in yards per attempt. So the defense isn't as bad as the, the, I guess they're bad. When they're bad, they're terrible, and they let in touchdowns. But overall, they've not been as bad. But I think to get back to your original point, I think Satterfield knows that it's about talent and and it's about the personnel and they just don't have enough on pass defense. I think coverage and when they're not getting home, you know, I, I don't know. I think I think they're just very susceptible to quick slants, to quick, you know, double moves across the middle that that have just been burning them all season. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the thing that's for me that's going to be interesting to watch is like a narrative as we go forward is that if there's if this is going to continually be a problem and it's going to follow Satter for a little bit, if there's ever going to be any real angst if he's still like I what we've seen this far from like an offensive standpoint I have zero question about going to the future like that you know the guys that that Satterfield puts on the puts on the field if they're three-star talent and above they're going to be able to put up points pretty much against anyone like that that is how sold I am at this point I'm I'm sold enough to the point to where if they're recruiting in the the 40s the 30s pretty much the waters that Louisville has recruited in the past that that I'll feel fine about the offense I'll feel good about his ability to coach him up but I'm curious that you know so if the the defense continues to follow them, if that's a narrative that we're we're going to see, but I do want to point out that that uh, Brian Brown kind of talked about he he spoke with the media yesterday, and right. he was like, you know, the defense only gave up twenty one points through seventy one plays. The national average for plays in a game sixty six. So against Wake Forest again, like the defense wasn't particularly outrageously bad. It's just. Uh, they were exhausted. I, I, think. I think. I think that. Play, they, I mean, Wake Forest ran. That's so, fair. The, the game. The game took four and a half hours. Gabe. I mean, like, I. Yeah. I. I another thing is that That's baseball. That's baseball length yeah. right there. Wake Forest. Wake Forest has white claw and tap. So that that was a that was another thing okay, I forgot to mention. Time. That was you forgot to mention that they have one of the most like liberal stadium policies. Pretty much in general, like like the guys, they have like the the blankets in the little berm area. Mm-hmm. They allow people to pretty. I mean, they allow people to smoke in their stadium. They allow people. I could have brought in any type of alcohol, one or two, if I was really trying to do so. Um, could you have left at halftime and come back in? I think you probably could have. That's that's a Clemson thing, so I was wondering if they do that. Yeah, I think I think you probably could have done that if you did that at Louisville football games. You'd have to be worried about the fans coming back into the game. Um, but, yeah, but, but anyway, so yeah, you're talking about Brian Brown. Go back. Go back. Yeah, no, it's just like in, in some of these games, I think I, I think a part of it is like the defense isn't as bad to the point to where it's like you know they're gonna give up, they're gonna spot this team forty points a game. I do think like the death thing and and kind of the the red shirts maybe maybe playing later in the season which was another narrative we talked about in the last episode we may yeah. see that happen but 
I, I mean, as it as it far as it relates to Clemson, the one major checkbox you gotta have to even have a shot is is to get them in third down and long and put Trevor Lawrence in positions where he has to throw the ball and they're obvious throwing ball, throwing downs because he he's he struggled in those situations so far this season. I know that's something that North Carolina was able to do pretty successfully. They were able to confuse him, so that's something immediately that's gonna have to happen on Saturday if Louisville's gonna have any chance. We can kind of roll into talking about. Clemson, if you have any general thoughts, no, I I, I think that's a really good point, and I, I you know, I, I'm really, I'm interested to see what kind of wrinkles they can bring to this sort of thing. I did want to point out that schedule wise, Louisville Clemson is the last of Louisville's good offenses they're playing. Yeah, excuse me, Wake Forest, you know, they have a good offense. Uh, Boston College, solid offense. Florida State, solid offense. Notre Dame, great offense. After this game, they get to play some of the mediocre to bad offenses. I mean, Miami and, Miami and NC State and Virginia, those are really bad. Those bad are offense. really bad offenses. They have good defenses. You know, Miami, top 20 defense. Uh, you know, Virginia is a top 30 defense. Um, so you're looking at, you know, that sort of thing. But I am interested in seeing how this defense performs against um, offenses that don't kind of don't run that sort of, you know, high tempo, you know, 100 plays per game style or aren't as high powered as some of the other ones. Yeah, I mean, it seems like we've been watching a different style of football for for these last three games. It's been all these have been hyperspeed. Boston College was the same way. And that's that that wasn't really a thing that is, you know, scouted towards Louisville. That's just the way these teams play. But no, yeah, definitely, and and I'm so I'm interested in seeing. I mean, Clemson isn't quite that, yeah. Um, so I think we can jump into there. What what do you? Let me say what my question. What would be a success for you against this Clemson team this weekend? I see. I, I think that Louisville should be in the game in the third quarter. Okay. Um, with the exception of saying that, like, you know, Clemson comes in and railroads them. I, I, I think, like, for me, it's – I've been thinking about this a lot about how we wanted to kind of talk about this game. And it's like, you know, right. what are you excited about? What are the things that make you excited about this game? And what are the things that make me excited about this game? It's just how good that Louisville's wide receiver core has been. Yes. And I, I legitimately think if you're going to make the argument for any place in the field where Louisville may have a an advantage, I, I legitimately think it might be there. I mean, this, this so this this offense of Clemson, they they have their wide receivers haven't really been the same this year that that, that you've seen in the past. I think they miss Hunter Rimpho in a lot of a lot of situations. But Louisville has the the their three top receivers, guys that have had receptions over ten receptions. They all are averaging fifteen yards a touch or more. And to me, that says a lot. I mean, these these guys are getting yards after the catch. We saw right. we saw Seth Dawkins break that long one. So I'm just excited to see. Louisville go up against a truly elite defense and to see if these wide receivers can still make plays because to me that that says a whole lot um so I mean to answer your question I kind of took a long route to get there but I I I do (laughs) think that like Louisville should be fairly competitive in this game if you know if Clemson wins by three scores that's fine with me but it shouldn't be a situation to where the the game's over at halftime in my mind I mean you have 
I, I think the the noon start could work to Louisville's advantage because right, you, you have right. you, you have a team that's coming in. No matter what Dabo says, Clemson beat Louisville by sixty points last year. <laughs> so I mean, you know how that is. Like you're you're telling twenty and twenty one year old kids that that this team can beat you, and it's it's a noon start. Um, it's going to be maybe a sleepy environment to get started with. I think all these things kind of excite me a little bit in a weird way. So I, I do. I, I think Louisville should be competitive in this game, especially for a half. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. I I sort of went into that Notre Dame game with a little bit. I, I feel like it was more excitement than I than I was in this environment. Mm-hmm. You know, just sort of seeing. Seen some of the tweets, people showing the pictures of how many seats are left unpurchased. Um, I think there's just kind of general sense of defeat with Clemson at this point, mm-hmm. given how many times the game is is gone our way, but not gone our way. Like all the things have happened to win the game, and then they haven't won the game. So I almost feel like Clemson's sort of like a weird kryptonite for for Louisville. And Louisville fans, I, I don't quite. I want to believe, sort of, going into this that that it, it's going to be different, but I, I don't. I don't feel like it's going to be. But to get back to the the original question, I definitely feel like I want to see this team put up points. I want to see, um, you know, I, I I don't want them to get stifled completely by this defense. I'd like to see this defense make some plays. I'd like them to make. You know, make Trevor Lawrence uncomfortable. Mike Rutherford of Card Chronicle always jokes about, you know, Trevor Lawrence like only he only passed for like le- like less than a hundred yards. Right. Had a terrible game against Louisville. Right. I think that was back when they were starting both you know Kelly Bryan and him. So I don't think it really counts. Um, but I would love for that sort of narrative to continue. If he had like a bad game against Louisville, if he leaves Louisville without sort of reinserting him into himself into the Heisman conversation, that would be a success for me. Yeah. It's like, man, Trevor Lawrence definitely not getting that Heisman. He'll have to wait till next year. <laughs> and um, that would be fun for me. And that's a completely subjective thing. I just think that this final score, I don't want this final score to be out of hand. And I also, you know, even if it is kind of a 28 point victory, I kind of don't want it to reflect really how well Louisville played at times, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I mean, that that, may, that makes a lot of sense to me. It's like you just want to see the offense pretty much not be fool's code. You, exactly. You, you want there to be positive signs. I do have to mention that – so we were talking about this before the show. The, the guy that wrote the article about Bruce Pearl – um, basically saying, you know, <laughs> oh, the tweet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so Auburn did like a, a March Madness or not March Madness thing, a Midnight Madness thing in, in Tomer's corner today. And um, after it, Bruce Pearl was basically quoted oh, saying, he's "So mad, yeah, I'm looking he, at him." He's he, so he, upset. Bruce Pearl was quoted saying that you know nobody does this. And a bunch of Louisville fans got in this guy's mention, and now he's giving like Louisville's tournament record and and, and all this stuff suddenly. <laughs> and I guess Auburn's a basketball school now. I this is this is news to me, uh, but this is absolutely I'm hilarious. So he just literally just tweeted. He, the, the, Chris, I want I want to know. He 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 mentions in these tweets. It's important to note that, like, they're so they're doing this right outside. It's very Louisville Live esque. 
and he mentions that he mentioned Louisville live in the article and he's like all that to say uh, Pearl for the most part is right a lot of schools do midnight madness introductory events for their basketball programs so most of those are inside and then he puts in parentheses Louisville live is also outdoors which is a hundred percent added later because it's in parentheses <laughs> Gotcha, man. And, and come on, dude. He's I mean, so mad. Hey, can we read this? Let's read this tweet really quick. He says, last word, because I feel the need to say this to Louisville fans who are inexplicably in my mentions, which might be our fault. Because we've been we did, we did kind of set this um, up. I don't care. It's a quote in a tweet. Louisville Live is mentioned in the lead of the story. If you bother to click on it, take your outrage somewhere else. I'm just going to tweet at him. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, you haven't seen the follow-up to that. Is that Louisville went? What is it? Louisville went twenty and fourteen and lost in the first round of the NCAA tournament last year. Okay, okay, now I'm done. Sorry, everyone. So three. What a if, I think that's gone because I don't see it here anymore. I I oh screenshots live forever. <laughs> oh, anyway, that this is this is fun taps. Hey, Fab No Fury. Like a Louisville fan that is pissed off online, and I have made fun of them before, but I have fallen into this tonight, so I'm totally fine with that. I uh, I replied to him. I said, uh, "Wait, wait." Um, <laughs> I lost it. Hold on, where is it? Uh, my outrage is looking quite apt here, Josh. <laughs> oh man, that's funny. Do you want to talk some Louisville hoops now? Since since we just this made a good segue into the great hoops. segue. We had the, uh, you know, this was sort of a, another kind of build-up week to me. There was the luncheon that happened this week, which, Chris, I honestly forgot was happening until the day it happened. And then Chris Mack kind of noted that. He was like, hey, uh, you know, nothing happened. Like, no one advertised this, and there's like 1,500, 2,000 people here. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I mean, that's a really good point. That's kind of a good point to point out about Louisville. Yeah. Um, since we last had our podcast, there was the first red-white scrimmage. Uh, not a whole lot to take from that for me. Besides Stephen Enoch, which may or may not be uh, uh, an operative of the fact that Malik Williams was not there to play against him, but Steve Enoch uh, had the big night there. I don't have the stats in front of me. I think he had like 30 points um, in in, uh, a a shorter period of time. I I, I just bring him up because I... I'm kind of going into the season more and more thinking about the people who need to step up. And since I saw Steve Enoch and I was told before Louisville Live that he was a skinnier person and he looked more athletically fit, uh, going into Louisville Live, I, I was kind of not expecting to see how athletic he looks. He looks more he looks built. He just looks leaner, like a leaner build. And the one thing I would always get mad at these Louisville team at Louisville last year for was rotations and how poor the bigs were at rotation. And I think Steve Enoch is going to be way better at that and do an interesting job in the pick and roll. And so I'm very excited to see him. And, and, and this kind of fed my excitement, despite the fact that it wasn't quite against Louisville's best, you know, internally. Um, but I kind of do you are you following me on this? You, no, <laughs> am yeah. I crazy? Am I crazy? <laughs> what I'm interested about, like Enoch, is because for the most part, I've been kind of like 
just lukewarm on him. Um, right. I mean, Louisville fans, it, generally speaking, have been pretty high about him. I like. I'm just interested to see if he, he's the same dude from last year, or if there's a leap that he can make and what that leap looks like. Like I, I thought offensively last year, he kind of maximized his potential. Um, there were times, particularly against Minnesota, where he was pretty dominant. Um, we wouldn't really see it consistently, but it, it, there were stretches that he was, you know, one of the focal points of the offense. Absolutely. And I, I mean, I, I've said time and time again, I'm not worried about the offense with this team. If it's not an Enoch, I, there's plenty of other guys that can step up and fill that void. It's so weird to say that and you know, October 17th that we're saying we're not worried about offense with the Louisville basketball team, but by God, we are three years away from Rick Matino, and that's what we're saying now so that's a weird that's a weird thing um but for me like yeah it's defense man um i don't know like i i I want to know if there's a leap that that enoch can make and you know who he can be can he be a rim protector can he be a guy that is not a liability when you get him moving around on the floor um is it a guy who's you know, improved his. Is it a guy who can play twenty five to thirty minutes? Yeah, that's, like that was an issue last season. That, that's something that we haven't talked about. But sure, yeah, I mean, the, you know, the quick, the quick two three fouls from Stephen Enoch in the first ten minutes, they largely just got accepted last year as a thing that yeah. was going to happen. It kind of happened in the first month of the season, and we didn't even really mention it anymore because it was just like, you know, this is what's going to happen. Malik's going to come in for five six minutes. He's going to spell him. We'll get to halftime, then we'll deal with it. <laughs> Um, there should be some growth there. Um, this guy's a veteran leader on the team, and you know, at that point, you get you gotta be smarter than that. So I think those are the things. I, I just wonder to me, like, how where he is in that that spectrum of you know the most valuable players on this team. I to me because like to me it's it's Darius number one, Wara number two. You mean? Oh, what do you mean by valuable in this situation? Just like if this player gets... Most important yeah, for growth. Just like if this... Well, okay. Not even that. Like if this player gets hurt or if this player fouls out of a game, Louisville's in trouble. It's, so, so Darius is number one for you. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, we're taking hashtag Perry Hive to new heights today. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. <laughs> I mean, but, but you know, it may be war. Either one. One, one A. Either one of those guys, I would say, most value of this team. After that, it's probably... Some guy in the front court, maybe Sam Williamson, uh, maybe first Kimball. And then you start to get to those other guys. Dwayne Sutton could very much make the argument to be at the top of this list. Um, there, there's a lot of guys that could be right there right. as like the MVP of this team, which is a good problem to have. But I, I do wonder kind of like I'm still I guess what I'm saying like in a roundabout way is what is Steve Enoch's role on this team going to be? Is it going to be a 20 minute guy or is it going to be 11, 12, 13 minute guy? And I, I that's think a great that question. can go that's, a lot and, and of directions. And that's the question I have. And I, I'm only bringing him up because I think I'm starting to move him up on my list of guys who can have an outsized impact if they improve this season. I think if Steve Enoch, you know, uh, Malik Williams apparently had a great summer and it was a really bummer that he, you know, had the foot issue when he did. But I think if Steve can become sort of a, a third, you know, a third team, all ACC center, Right. Like I think that's just going to go so long of a way for this team. I think is sort of what I'm envisioning at this point. And I think 
I don't think he's the most important person to this team, but I think he's sort of one of those. Uh, he's probably not in the top. Honestly, I, he's probably not in the top three. You know, maybe the top five. But I think if he, uh, you know, improves in the ways that he's sort of flashing at this point to me, that that could be just as impactful as sort of the Darius Perry explosion that we're we're hoping for and we're projecting. Right. Yeah. I mean, like. I guess I kind of lost my train of thought, but like, <laughs> no, I just see with with the Malik injury, I do think there's an opportunity for a Nagehan to kind of insert himself into right. a role that previously right. wasn't expected. And you know that I looked at him the same way I looked at Nickelberry before the the David Johnson injury, and that's as a guy who maybe at the end of the season could blossom into something, but. With the injury, if you know Aiden Gahan for some reason makes makes the leap and is able to contribute and is, is able to get eight to nine minutes a game, then it becomes a thing of Malik or Enoch. And you're, you're going to tighten that rotation more. And I guess that's what I'm really interested to see because I'm of the belief that – I've said this before – I think as far as like pro versatility and you don't really have to worry about where he gets drafted, the team he gets drafted, or the the place he gets drafted, the position he plays, anything like that. I think Malik Williams could be the most versatile pro on this team if the things go the way they should. Just because, That's, yeah. Just because I think he can play multiple positions. I think yeah. I think he's a guy who contribute contribute in different types of offenses. So I'm, I'm I mean I'm really curious to see how this rotation works itself out. It's very like 2016 Rick Pitino of you or 2015 Rick Pitino of you. <laughs> Who once like I th- didn't he like famously say that it's like Malik was going to be like his best pro ever? Yeah, I yeah. feel like maybe it, I'm crazy. It may have been him. I mean, you're talking about the guy who said Mike Morrow is the best shooter ever. Is the, the, the we'll, one we'll, get, we'll get there, but yeah, but, no. I mean, I, I think you're right. I think um, hope it, it does sort of seem like Malik is, is progressing a situation that. Um, would he, he'll be able to really have the a, a great impact on this team? Yeah, he's sort of behind, but it is what it is. So, um, go ahead. Uh, you, know, you just mentioned Rick. Rick tweeted on October 16th that he was going to give the, his sleeper programs. Um, so, oh, no. no, no, he's like, before I give you the teams I think will be final four ready, here are my sleepers. And he said, Georgetown, St. Mary, which just seems like a very Ripetino thing to do, is to say St. Mary's <laughs> is, a, is a sleeper team, Illinois, um. NC State, no. um, and yeah. then Wisconsin. Wonder why I picked NC State. Uh, yeah, right. Minnesota is the last one, right? Uh, no, it's actually it's actually Washington. But the point I'm trying to make here is he said this like he was about to give the final four teams, like you know, as a as a tweet thread. This was sent at 12:30 on October 16th, and it's his la- yeah. it's his last tweet. He hasn't said anything since then, so I don't. I wonder what happened. It's like the, he's not ready, it's man. Like, it's, it's like the Kofafi tweet from Trump to where there was just like three hours of silence and no follow up, and I'm just waiting. I, I want to see if if Rubitino puts Louisville in the Final Four. I'm like, there's no way that's gonna happen. <laughs> that's so. That's. Yeah. Rick Pitino, man. But before we go, let's or, or we can move forward to Jordan War because I think he's sort of an emerging story, you know, in terms of you know. 
preseason publicity. He's got his second um, preseason All-American. He got uh, the the CBS since we last had the podcast, CBS All-ACC, preseason All-ACC. Same thing with the ACC in general on Monday. What um, – I don't know. It's it's what – you sort of mentioned that Louisville is going. You know, Louisville has only had what one yeah, unanimous um, All American. That's and, what you and, mentioned, and, right? In our lifetime, yeah. What uh, you know? Do you think? Do you think Jordan can be the the second? I mean, first off, I, I just I, I didn't think that I that did you expect Jordan Moore to get this type of love? No. I like I, I don't I don't know if he's that caliber of player. I I don't. I really don't. What was who was the team that they played in his freshman year that he like scored like thirty two points off the bench? It was it was like one of the first games, and he kind of came and basically I don't remember what team it was, but they weren't very good. It was a, it was a game that we were paying, playing them play. Uh, I'm not exactly sure. I have to look it up and see if I can actually find it. But but anyway, I just remember watching that game. Like man, that guy. You know, what if Rick Pitino just left us like. A superstar, and he's sort of become that. Yeah, <laughs> no, like um, I've been like in this weird place with him is because like last year, I was looking at a lot of the record books, and he has a lot of like opportunities to finish in the top ten of shooting in various categories, whether it's shooting percentage, three pointers in the season, three pointers in a career, a lot of different things. Um, he, he's going. He he's probably going to pass Ryan McMahon in a lot of those categories. Like right. he, he basically was shooting a better percentage than him for a lot of the part of the season. And like I'm at this place with him is like I don't know that Louisville fans are appreciating the statistical numbers that he's put up. But at the same time, I'm like, is he really that guy? Is he really that good? Because like there were a lot of deficiencies last year, whether it was defensively or just going down the court and war just throws up a shot. Um, that that totally didn't make a whole lot of sense. So I don't know, man. It's it's an odd place to be as a Louisville fan because I'm not sure that I feel that he is this caliber of player, but I do think that it speaks to you know a, a lot of things. I think one of those is is how that how down college basketball as a as a whole. But I don't know, man. Um, my 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 concern about Jordan and his All American candidacy is that. I think for him to have better performances, Louisville almost needs to take some of the burden off of him. Right. And there were so many times last season where he was the offense because there was no other offense. And he had to be the offense. I mean, he, he had the he had the Dangadel thing, except he was better. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And I think Louisville, if he's in that situation, Louisville is... is not, not to say that their season's ruined, but I don't think it's the Final Four season that we're all hoping for, right? Right. right. So that's my only concern about his All-American kind of buzz. I think, you know, can he average, you know, I think, you know, w- will he be a, a unanimous All-American if he averages 17 points a game and 11 rebounds? Yeah. Like, I feel like that's borderline. I feel like some of those freshmen in in in, 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 in unique school situations will do similar things and they'll be flashier. And I'm just seeing sort of even kind of right away just like the pre-ACC selections of, oh, let's pick Duke and North Carolina over Louisville. Right. Oh, but Louisville's got Jordan War, so we've got to show them some love still. Yeah, I mean, and you, and you always just wonder what's going on in a guy's head. Is he going to come into the season shot hunting? Exactly. I, like, I don't think War is that type of player. 
I remember people no, people yeah. going into the, the the second season of Russ after he had all those accolades. People were just so sure that that Russ was going to go out there and try to be something he he wasn't. Even more Russ Dickless, but it, it didn't happen. Um, so you think about that, but I I don't see that happening with Flora. Um Absolutely, but I don't know if he gets there, man. I I, I think like it's like it's like one of those things where. If Jordan War is an All-American, things have gone incredibly right. But there's also a scenario to where he could be an All-American and things haven't gone the way they should. Like That's exactly my point here. That's exactly my thought. So I, I think that'll be really interesting. And also, he's kind of in a tough position because where I think, I mean, where the MAC offense, the way the MAC offense works he can't really facilitate to create his own shots as much as I think some other guys who will be pursuing that position will be able to, if that makes sense. So it's something to keep tabs on. It's really nice to see preseason wise. I think it's a good sign for Louisville and he's, I mean, he's, I think he's the most important player still. Chris, before we stop talking about, well, before we stop talking about, before we stop talking about this current team, uh, I, I wanted to mention the Durple intro that was filmed. Uh, if people are not aware, Louisville basketball was inviting fans to come to the Durple in Shawnee Park and take part in the basketball intro video. I don't think it was the full video. It seemed like it was like portion because not the whole team was there. Very interested in seeing how this all turns out. Apparently, the whispers from the first cut is incredible, but I think let's, let's kind of go through this kind of initially. Cause I think we have something we want to talk about related to it. Um, but I know Chris, you kind of mentioned you, you tweeted, this was the coolest thing, like legitimately the coolest thing Louisville basketball has ever done. And it's the and, coolest thing I've ever seen, man. And I want, um, yeah, just, just go ahead on that. I mean, just like for me, there's there's been I mean you wrote about it how yeah. this has became like the the city's team but there has been a very real divide for Louisville athletics even if you want to go back to what happened with Ribatino and like the Denny Crumb era and separating that divide between those players that's been a thing but there's also just been uh, for me like a, a class and, and almost like a demographic divide like a lot of the people in the Yum Center were yeah. were catered to because of kind of the social status that they're in and kind of what was in their wallet. And I think like going somewhere like West Louisville speaks volumes, man. And it's just, it's just such a very small thing that didn't, didn't cost the marketing team hardly probably anything, any, any type of like real coin that mattered. Didn't cost much time, you know, three or four hours out there to set up. I'm sure some of the people that were setting up were there a little bit earlier, but in general, it's not a big thing to do, but it, it means so much. Completely agree. And, and, and the Dirt Bowl and, you know, Shawnee Park and the history, the fact that that, that tournament has gone on for so long. And you, it can it date, dates back so far. You've had people who have put on Louisville basketball uniform, played in that tournament both before and after playing. So the history, the level of history that that area has and that that scene has is so critical. And it's it just to homage to that, it, it's just so smart to me. It shows to me that the people in charge understand Louisville basketball, understand the role. 
And you're right. If if you haven't read the art, the I mean, the little snippet I wrote for the newsletter about it, I, I'll, I'll throw it in the notes. Um, but this feels this Louisville basketball administration under Chris Mack and under Vince Tyre in, in, in the athletics office, it feels more like the city's team holistically than it's ever felt. And this is just another example of it. If I had written that piece um, after this, it would mention this part very prominently because Louisville Live feels like it's accessible to everyone just the way that they have, I I think, even in stadium, what they're doing, um, you know, having specific games in December and January where they're inviting people to come sit in the lower levels who don't normally get to sit there. That's right. that's just opportunity, you know, um, an opportunity to connect with the entirety of the fan base. And you're even seeing, you know, not to make this a Kentucky thing, but I, I, I happened to read right before we got on that. I don't remember which Kentucky writer mentioned it, but they did like a, they they retweeted a SEC media poll, and it was from like the players where they basically and the coaches where they basically said Rupp is not loud, is not as loud as he used to be, right. and I think you know. Louisville was in that place at at one point, and and I think it's getting better now. And everyone feels more involved, and when everyone's more involved, the environment just gets better. It's only good, you know. It's it's it can only be a positive. So I think this is sort of an evolution of that. Yeah, I mean, these are this is one of those things. I think one of those topics that's a lot easier to like write about, and is better for that type of medium because it, it's it's a lot more easier to explain it through words. Right. But like, it, it's just one of those things where there there was a complete for a while. I I do think that there was a very like real fan divide. Um, and, yeah. And I don't think it had to had to do with you know who'd you want to start quarterback or who'd you want to start at point guard or anything like that. Like, I, I just think there were some fans that felt that they were left out and it seems to be like that's changing and that matters a lot. It's good to see. <laughs> um, but we, we can talk a little bit about this disastrous recruiting cycle because it has absolutely been well, one, pretty one, rough. If you had something else to mention, we can, we can do that. But the only thing ahead. I wanted to say, and I, I almost tweeted about it and I didn't, the only thing, the only kind of, and this is not any operative of Louisville basketball themselves and of the team and of the administration, but it was a bummer to me that the invitation was made for any fan to show up. And if you go and you look in those pictures, about 99% of the fans who showed up to Shawnee Park look like they, they, they don't look like the lower bowl types. And I just I, I thought it was an opportunity for unity, and I just I don't know. Even it didn't even look like there were students there, so it was just kind of yeah. a, it, it was a weird situation for me. Where um, obviously I think the school and the administration wanted uh, a, a a variety of people to come out, and you know I'm just like kind of wondering like how many kids. How many kids who live in the East End, who go to Louisville basketball games, saw that tweet, and their parents say, "Well, we don't go over to the to the West End." That's no, just I a think, thing that like I think that's in a legitimate mind. conversation. Yeah, and that's a much bigger conversation. But that's just the only thing that kind of rubbed me the wrong way. And again, nothing to do with Louisville basketball and how they operate it. Props to them for even making the opportunity available for people. And I think I'm sure there were some people who, you know, you know, maybe there were a couple students in the back, maybe a couple people from from the East End out there. Um, but it didn't seem to me to be 
an excessive that, amount. Yeah, it definitely wasn't. Definitely wasn't. So I, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to point fingers, but that just, that was the only bummer to me. And I think that's just sort of people. There's just people being people. And like I said, I feel like there was, I, I, I would guarantee almost that there was a kid like, Oh, I really want to go to this. And Brad's like, Oh no. I mean, uh, yeah, we got to we, we be up yeah. in the morning. You've, yeah. you've got my wheel spinning with this because they <laughs> even talk about, you know, nice stream divide and everything else. Yeah, and that's, man, that's, 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 that's a whole podcast. It's that's a, a whole other thing, podcast. Though. But if you don't think that that wasn't the case for some people that people didn't see, Oh, I could be a part of the video. Oh wait, it's over there. <laughs> nah, like that happened. Like, let's be yeah. real. Let's just be real about it. But let's, yes, as we are literally, <laughs> we are we are literally sitting here uh, watching that the dude, uh, Devin Askew. Did Devin Askew commitment? Yeah. Devin Askew has just committed to Kentucky, which is a great, great segue to Louisville basketball recruiting, which Chris at this point is not going great. Uh, it's not. There's nothing happening. <laughs> there's nothing happening at all. Uh, this class, I, I don't know. I, I, I guess to sort of set the field, I do want to say, and I think you are, you're probably. I'm gonna, I'm gonna let you be sort of the bad cop in this situation because I, I under, I definitely agree that this has not been a good recruiting cycle. There's no way to cut it that way. But I do think, given the fact that the 2019 class was so excellent and so uh, there's so many so many options that came out of that, you know, came out of that class for the future, I don't feel like the the need for this class to be excellent was there. That being I think, said, uh, see, I, I, they I just think that's, whiffed on so many kids. It has to be talked about. I mean, I think when because of the success of last year, that's exactly the reason why this success needed to happen this year. Because no one was going into Chris Mack's tenure with the expecta- expectation that he was going to sign a top fifteen classes. Yeah, but he did it. So now, like, like the goalpost move. I get like people that want to talk about NCAA violations, and they want to talk about you know, Louisville signed six kids. That's fine, <laughs> and that, that that that's all great. And I and I don't even think that you know to it doesn't matter about appeasing me, but to appease me, Louisville doesn't need to sign another top ten class. But the whiffs. Everybody they've been in on, yeah. they've lost. I mean, they just lost a kid to Davion Smith. They lost him in Mississippi State. Now that recruiting was a little weird. Um, there, there may that may have been a more of a mutual thing, but there was a moment in time that Louisville really wanted him, um, and they couldn't get the commitment then. So it's just like it, it, it doesn't even have to to do with like the the caliber of players or anything like that. It's just the constant whiffs that continue to happen is unbelievably frustrating for me. Even if you take out the sort of weird recruitments, I think Louisville got in a weird situation in some with some of these kids where they were in so early and then they were coming down to it that they had to make the decision do we go for the elite guys or do we go for sort of that next tier? And they went for the elite guys. They went for the Which is- Totally fine. They went for Caleb Love. They they went for DJ Seward, and that you know those those opportunities ended up not being there. And what what's funny about that though is like I I I've heard I was talking with 
Uh, I'll keep him nameless because I, I, I was talking with a guy through the DMs about basically how this class was going to shape up just a few months ago, you know, two or three months ago. And he talked a lot about how Chris Mack doesn't like to wait on these guys. Like he wants to get them on campus, but it seemed like right. he was a little out of character with this class. And he took a little bit more chances. And I don't know if that's a function of him saying, you know, I just signed this great class. I can take a little bit more chances or if he thought he was in a spot to get these kids. And that's kind of where I'm stuck. Like one of those things is better than the other. I feel like so. No, it's, it's, it's difficult. And it's, it's so hard to think about long-term wise because, you know, we're talking about, we're talking about stars. We're talking about things on paper, but we don't know how it'll end up turning out to be. And yeah. hindsight's always twenty twenty. but at this point it looks really bad. It looks unfun. And I don't know. I don't, I don't know, Chris, I, you can't really say, Oh, this is an NCAA problem. You know, schools are negatively recruiting against Louisville NCAA wise because we had a kid earlier today, Jethro Muscaladin, or I'm, I, I'm not quite sure how to pronounce his name. That, that was a great shot there. So we, we can go with that. We'll go with that. But he was between Louisville and Kansas and he picked Kansas. And Kansas is in worse position, in my yeah. opinion, than Louisville. Yeah. So you, you, I don't have an answer for that. But it does seem like he was in on these kids early. And then, like, especially in the case of DJ Seward and, 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 and Caleb Love, they ended up becoming high, high-level prospects and then getting the dream offers from the Dukes and the UNCs of the world. I mean, and it's hard to beat that. Straight up. What I heard, the situation with DJ Stewart, you can take it for what it's worth. I have no way of validating it, but I heard it from someone that I trust a lot, was that essentially Duke told him that if he visited Louisville Live, they were going to take away the offer that they had already extended him. So he committed then and there. And that those are the type of things that... That, I mean, I've heard a lot of stories, and that's that's a pretty mild. That's one. hardball, man. That's that's yeah, recruiting but, hardball, and but, I'm not to say that story is 100 percent true, but I I am a thousand percent sure that stories like it are. So yeah. that's you know, and that and that these are the type of things that happen. And there's a part of me that just wonders these waters are kind of new for Chris Mack, and if he's just a little, I don't think he's like over his head, but I don't know, man. You you just wonder about the, those type of situations where they continually miss on guys, and it, it just feels like it shouldn't be that way. I mean, Jay Scrub is in this situation to where we're watching, we're going to be sitting here watching his highlight videos every night, and they're going to be great, and people are going to be like, yeah, Jay Scrub did this, Jay Scrub did that, but it's going to be like, don't be too good. I mean, don't get on the NBA radar. Don't get a, don't become a lottery pick because you need to be at the University of Louisville because you are now at this point, I mean, at the centerpiece far and away of this recruiting class. Um, so that, I mean, that's going to be a great thing to monitor through, through the offseason. No question. And it's, yeah, that's good. The will he or won't he of Jay Scrub. But, you know, I'm seeing sort of the coverage already start up for 2021. And they're in the same place. I'm hearing them in on you know kids like you know the kid from the kid from Kentucky, Zion Harmon and Christian Lander, and they're saying, oh, these kids really like Louisville. They're very in, you know Chris Mack was in on them early before all the big schools were in on them. But if Duke and UNC and Kentucky show up in this in summer of 2020, saying, hey, you know, come on to us. 
Is it going to be the same thing? That's my concern. I, I don't know what you do to combat those things. That's the problem is I don't know what the answer is. I don't know what I, the answer is. I mean, I, I think like that was the thing with Rick is that he kind of figured out. I said Rick very, very affirmative. Rick. <laughs> um, but I think he kind of figured out that he didn't want to take chances on those guys that were going to be late and could go either way. He wanted to sure up. You know his his talent crop with guys that were a couple years, uh, you know, two or three year players, um, and he made that decision early on, and, and the the game kind of evolved around him, and I'm not sure he evolved with it, but that's a, that's another thing. But yeah, I, I just feel like Mac has to make that decision. I guess is what I'm saying is if, if these are going to be the waters he is going to swim in, then he's going to have to get some of these guys, and he's going to have to win battles against you, okay, and against Duke, regardless whether they come in late or not. If he's not going to be able to do that, then you've got to start recruiting some, you know, four star, lower level, five star guys, and sure those guys up because you cannot do this. Obviously, it goes without saying you cannot do this. You can't have back to back years of this. You do this back to back years, then. It, there's more trouble. I'm fine saying that this recruiting class is a miss, and I'm fine just letting that be, not taking Chris Mack, Chris Mack to task over it too much because the class that he brought in. But you just can't make it a thing that happens in back-to-back classes because that then then it becomes very problematic. Yeah, I think this. You know, I I think this class will be fine. Fine being the keyword. If they can lock up JJ Trainer, the uh, you know, who is from Kentucky, is tons of Louisville ties, tons of Louisville ties. High school coach went to Louisville. His dad played for Louisville. Um, you know, if he, if you can't lock that kid up, I don't know what to tell you. But it does seem like things are pointing in that direction for him. It seems like there's a few decommits recently that they're in on early. Yeah, which you know, I. I and even what you never know what the spring is going to look like. So I, I, I'm not like, I don't think this is going to be a complete bust of a class. Is it the top five, top 10 class? It could have been by no means. I don't think it's, it is not going to be that unless crazy things happen. Yeah. So, it, you know, people have to be prepared for that with all that being said, you know, that is the question. And especially with the, the, the question being, what kind of level of, of prospects does Louisville want to be in on? And, you know, we'll, we'll have to see. Maybe next season they're in on some of those elite guys. They get them. Um, you know, it seemed like Devin Askew was sort of the number one guy for 2021. And now he's probably going to go to Kentucky in yeah. 2020. You know, he's already committed to them, but probably going to enter the 2020 class. Yeah, and probably probably new class for that. Seems like. Right. So we'll see. I don't, I don't, I don't know, Chris. Recruiting is so weird. I... People use that as a defense for things that recruiting is so weird and kids are not to be trusted. I, I do want to say that just people just got to chill out <laughs> in regards to some of this stuff. Like, yeah, it's frustrating. It's really frustrating. It, it, I was super, super into the past like 60 to 90 days of recruiting and missing out on a lot of these dudes has been so frustrating. But to see and I joke tweeted like to see people post Nike is not just bad for college basketball it's bad for America like that was that was amazing people just, y'all just gotta chill out 
Y'all just yeah. gotta take a breath. The whole Nike thing, I'm just like done with. There's so many. Like, I can't even like go on the message boards I go on anymore because it's literally, it. It's the first couple posts are just like, hey, this person who runs this message board, what do you think about this player? And they say something, and then the rest of it's like, well, they're a, they're a Nike AAU guy. So it's over. <laughs> so might as well not even think about it anymore. I was so, like, dude, chill out, <laughs> chill out, bro. Dicky V just did the thing where he he tweets an article, then tweets like seven people at mentions oh, them. No. And it, so one of the guys was Rick Chapman, and that to me is just I just find that hilarious. Oh, Rick, Rick Chapman, John Clay, um, Matt Jones, and Tom Leach. When you see this article, that's basically what he's saying. I dig by tell on Twitter with with the live videos from the baseball games, and then the articles that he randomly just tweets out. I just I love that man so much. <laughs> I'm so happy he's on Twitter.com, and I'm so happy he's around. So. I'm gonna people love to to trash on on Dickie V, but when he's gone, y'all gonna be mad. Y'all gonna be mad. Y'all, y'all gonna be like, man, college basketball is like less than it was. Yeah, I Um, I, I totally agree with you. I so I want to talk about this poll a little bit, but I do want to say that I want to do a deeper dive into it on the next pod because this is a this is going to be a longer discussion. So we'll we'll definitely have to mention it here. But I, I was just sitting here thinking, like, there are there are a lot more points to get into about this whole thing. I think. Yes, yeah, we wanted to talk about just briefly about politics, about <laughs> that sounded so terrible, about uh, the, the governor's race because it is approaching. We are like three weeks away. Yeah. Well, Chris, we reached a point where I, I'm this is going to sound very old of me. I'm a religious, um, I go from the six o'clock local news to the 6 30 like network news to wheel fortune or maybe something else and then jeopardy and then whatever i'm going to watch for the rest of the night i'm pretty religious on that so i get a lot of network television is basically what i'm trying to tell you and we have reached two ads per commercial break yeah two governor's ads per commercial break maybe a daniel daniel whatever his camera i haven't seen one of those ads Oh, there's a lot of them. There's a <laughs> lot of anti-Greg Stumbo ads. He's sort of coming up now, but there's probably three to one. You know, he's got he's got that Mitch McConnell money. So yeah. But, but anyway, we wanted to talk about this poll that has basically shown the Kentucky governor's race is a dead heat, according to Mason Dixon polling and strategy. It sounds like the the Lexington Herald leader really was the one behind it, like commissioning the poll. Uh, they found both Matt Bevan and Andy Bashir tied at 46% each. This is a huge improvement for Bevan, who's, you know, we don't have to, you know, rehash. He's very unpopular and not a great dude. And the last time the same agency surveyed the race, Bashir led by eight points. When you saw this poll, Chris, what did you, what was your initial reaction? What was the first thing you thought of? Uh, this is what happens when you put Andy Bashir against Matt Bevan. <laughs> That's what I thought of. I mean, what do you want, what do you do with this? I don't know. I do want to know. Our our, our friend of the show, Robert Canley, who hosts the uh, the Mile Kentucky Pod, has been tweeting a little bit about it and, and sort of positing this idea. It, let's keep let's keep note that there's not been a lot of polling about this governor's race for whatever reason, but he did note that uh, it did seem like. It, this poll was more generous to Matt Bevan than not. 
if you compare it to some of the least popular governor type polls, uh, he, you know, it, it didn't seem to account fully for how unpopular Matt Bevin was. So maybe it's sort of a really gold, good poll for Bevin and overestimating his support. Mm-hmm. I, I'm tend to be conservative with this types of things in terms of polling, especially since he honestly, since Matt Jones won in or not Matt Jones, since Matt Bevin won in 2015, I've been really conservative, especially in Kentucky. So not to say that you shouldn't trust polling or should, but whatever. But I, I to me, it sort of felt like people are falling in line and the tactics that Matt that Matt Bevin is using in you know in, in the you know the immigration abortion social issue tactics they seem to be working something Matt Jones and that's why I mentioned his name because Matt Jones tweeted about it his understanding is that it is working um, especially in Eastern Kentucky seems like Andy Bashir still kind of has a hold on Western Kentucky it's where he's from. It's all going to come down to turnout, man. I just, I, I yeah, really I mean, think it, that. It, I, I will say that that Andy Bashir has told a lot of supporters that he feels pretty confident about Western Kentucky. He feels confident about Louisville. He feels confident about Lexington. Um, I mean, he said himself that Eastern Kentucky is a concern, but. I don't envision a scenario where voter turnout is good in Eastern Kentucky beats you. That just that that doesn't happen. Um, so I mean, like you said, if people if people in, in in Kentucky aren't excited to go to the polls to vote in this election and this governor's race, I do not think they will be. Right. Uh, because this is we we've talked about. I, I do want to make sure that we, we talk about this on the next time we record, and I'm sure we will because there won't be a lot to, to analyze after the Clemson game. But, like, this this has been an election to where, you know, I've seen some of the snark come in from from other people that are like, Democrats always want to say, well, the best reason you should vote for me is because I'm not my candidate. But in this particular election, that is the 100% response that you should say. I mean, we, we have talked about to the degree that that Andy Bashir needs to make this election about Matt Bevin. And I'm not sure largely that he's done that. I, I think that the immigration thing that has nothing to do with the state of Kentucky. Not and, a thing. Uh, not, not, not a thing. thing. Not at all. Has has became somewhat of a talking point in this race. I think the abortion thing, to me, I I, I, I honestly don't notice the abortion conversation as much as some other people. Maybe I just missed that vote. But to me, like that seems like an issue that people are going to vote the way they're going to vote. And you don't see candidates really mentioning it as much. Maybe, maybe I've missed that. I don't know. But... I, I just don't think there's been enough conversation about teachers, not even close to the level that it needs to be done. And that to me is just it leaves me speechless. It, it, I think, we, you know, you, you wrote about it for our newsletter, you know, one of the first newsletters. Yeah. And you mentioned the fact it sort of since then. They've played that card. It definitely did. See, it, it seemed like it was a strategy. You said, hey. We're going to wait till the beginning of October to really talk about this. And that did feel very odd to me. I don't know, especially given the fact that debates are just not Andy Bashir's deal. And, and that's pretty obvious. We I don't I, you know, we're way over an hour and 10 minutes. So I don't want to spend a whole lot of time talking about the debate. But I think both times I've well, this past one was sort of what I've watched. Matt Bevan just 
kind of steamrolls Andy Bashir. He knows what Andy Bashir is going to say because he says the same thing every time. Yeah, so, in, bo- in both debates, if you've watched them, I think you would draw, draw the conclusion that Matt Bevins won. Yeah, I, I think the first one was a little closer, and it was sort of a weird sort of business lunch, not really a debate. So that yeah. was kind of odd. But definitely this last one, it felt like Matt Bevin knew exactly what was going to happen, how he was going to go. Um, there's another debate tomorrow night, I think, uh, here in Louisville on WLKY. Um, which which maybe will be really important for him. I don't freaking know. But the point here is, he's just not exciting. And and I, I, my sort of what you said at the beginning of of this conversation, where if you're not already excited about voting against Matt Bevin, you're not going to be. So that's where I'm kind of at. Even if this poll is friendly to Matt Bevin. There's 8% of people who are undecided. And to me, I assume that six or 7% of those people are going to vote for Matt Bevin. Cause if you haven't decided by now that you're going to vote against Matt Bevin, then you're, why you, would you, you decide right. to vote for Andy Bashir? And you're, and you're using debates and you're using, you know, the things that you're going to see in the next few weeks exactly. to make your decision. And that's just something to where it hasn't been close. Um, the uh, did you I don't know if it's this has been a thing that has aired very much I've seen for whatever reason oddly enough there's tons of Matt Bevin commercials on Hulu like literally like every commercial break it's it's him on Hulu it's very odd um, but that's there's interesting a, there's actually a response video to the, the 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 teacher ad that Andy Bashir ran that that's basically just a teacher saying that you know Matt Bevin protected my pensions did you see that no I haven't seen that one yeah I I thought that was kind of interesting but some of these things we can table them and, and dig deeper into them but yeah I mean yeah like, we felt like we had to definitely talk about it and I think we'll have more opportunities to talk about things and um, you know maybe some interesting things what's uh, some, what's what's I guess we can leave at this point what is what do you want to see from from Andy Bashir over these next four weeks what can he do that can kind of in your mind wrap this up a little bit more man that's a really good question I mean is there anything <laughs> I don't I don't know we, I, we, I, did, we, we saw the, the the Rocky Atman's Atkins endorsement was an interesting thing to me because I think there's a lot of people Matt Jones included I seen him tweeted out that think Rocky Atkins in a statewide election would steamroll uh, um, and I'm, Matt I'm right there we talked yeah. we've talked about it many times I I think I'm sort of <sighs> I just want him to see to seem like not a robot. I, yeah. I just so someone mentioned. I think it was Philip Bailey. I'm pretty sure that at the end of every attack ad, Andy Bashir sort of, you know, even if it's like Mad Bevin did this, Mad Bevin did that. As as governor, I'll be very kind and not a douchebag. Like I'm Andy <laughs> Bashir. Vote for me. Yeah. And someone apparently told. You know, he, he, Phil Bailey basically said that the Democratic operatives he's talked to say that's actually like like psychologically not a good idea because you want it to be like a completely negative experience. And then I sort of thought long and hard about it, and I thought about the movie uh, Inception and the fact that uh, <laughs> <laughs> negative thoughts are strong, but positive thoughts are stronger. Right. And I just would love for Andy Bashir to. I don't know, man. This is out of complete left field. Take 30 minutes out of like WLKY's schedule and just say, we're going to make this a 30 minute 
Andy Bashir ad and just make it real nice and real talky and real inspiring and be like, this is the Kentucky that I want to build. And this is so a you kind of you want him to wrap up Louisville. Is what you're I saying, want him basically. to wrap up Louisville. I want him to be like, you, you know, what kind of Kentucky, you know, you guys need to come out because you're, <laughs> you're the most important area. So well, here's all the things I'm going to do that you really like and yeah. say, Hey, I'm going to, I mean the sports, this is a completely different topic, but like the sports gaming thing that came out today. I don't know if you saw that. Did you see that? Yeah, I did see that, that the, yeah, the GOP leaders of the house and Senate were like, Oh, we're, we're it's dead on arrival sports gaming, even yeah. though there's been GOP sponsors of every single bill, yeah. a whole other thing We're we're, we're too far into this to, to go over that. We'll talk about it later. I don't know, man. It's just, it's, uh, I'm, just, feeling, I, 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 I'm I, below I, 50% confidence at this point. I, in I, Andy I love, I love I how we're that. ending this podcast with just apathy, whether it's like global <laughs> recruiting or if it's the, the Democrats in the state of Kentucky, that is just the perfect way to, to end. I hope it's episode 36. I think it's episode 36. I think it's episode 36. And I'm just really sad also that the New York Yankees, everyone, shout out, you know, it's thirty episode 35. 35. So shout out to all the haters who are listening right now. All the Yankee <laughs> haters who were quiet all season and then showed up here when we lost to the best team in baseball. Shout out to all y'all. Shout out. I hear you. I see you. I missed you. We'll be back. That's all I got to say. <laughs> Goodbye. We got to close that on that. We got to close that. <laughs> Take care, guys. Thanks for listening. Uh, the newsletter coming out. We, we didn't put one out last week because it got crazy. But we're going we're gonna to do one this week for sure. So take care, everyone, and go Cards.